What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 24th episode of The Crossroads, celebrating 20 years of the Xbox brand. My name is Ryan Turford, and this is the show where we're counting down the months to the 20-year anniversary of the original Xbox, with 50 of the best games to play on the console for both new and experienced owners. We dive into the brief history of each game, and Doug Walt makes them awesome. Now, as always, you can let us know all your feedback over on Twitter at the Xbox Drive, or you can reach out to me directly anytime at Ryan Turford. Now, Today's the day we're talking about a game that has a long storied history that um, most people may not have actually played. I mean, this game actually really flew under the radar when it came out. A lot of people really missed it. And now it kind of has this big cult following um, with a sequel maybe sort of being made at some point over at Ubisoft. Of course, we're talking about Beyond Good and Evil today on The Crossroads. Of course, one of the best games to come out on the original Xbox at its release. I definitely think it doesn't hold up as well going forward, and we're going to talk about that more in a little bit, but um, I think that this game was amazing when it first came out. Again, people were talking about it. The press were were kind of all over this game with glowing reviews for Beyond Good and Evil, and there was a lot of love for this game, at least from the press side and from people who had actually given it a chance. Unfortunately, it's just one of those things where, like, many people, for whatever reason, just it totally flew under everyone's radar. Like it didn't sell very well at all. And a lot of people really missed it. Um, and it's a, a dang shame because again, the game itself still fantastic. Even though again, I, I just mentioned doesn't hold up as well. There's a lot of great elements about beyond good and evil, which is why it's kind of on this list. So for those that aren't really familiar with kind of the development of this game, of course, this is a Michelle Ancel game, Michelle Ancel, uh, for the folks who don't know him, he actually created uh, Rayman over at, Ubisoft, and he wanted to do kind of move in a different direction from from doing a couple Rain Man games uh, before Beyond Good and Evil came out. And he took kind of the same type of approaches to platforming and kind of worked them into this like third person action game um, that Beyond Good and Evil kind of became. And it, again, was a very different game from Rain Man because it wasn't doing as much of the platforming stuff. There was still a little bit of it, but it was very much more of a like stealth game mixed with puzzles if that makes any sense. There was some light action as well in it, but for the most part, you were uh, kind of sneaking around as uh, as the main character in this game and doing a whole bunch of different stuff. So again, very different from the type of game you would normally see out of this time. Maybe that's why it just didn't really appeal to people. I don't really know what, what it is about it. I also don't think it was really marketed super well. I think a lot of people just weren't really finding out about it until after reviews came out because I remember at the time seeing some magazine ads at the time for it, but that was about it. Like I wasn't really seeing, you know, trailers on TV, TV for this game or getting like the big marketing push that we saw for other Ubisoft games at the time, like Prince of Persia, um, as well as anything else that we got during this generation of games from Ubisoft. So I, I just don't think it really had much of a chance, unfortunately, which again, it's too bad, but luckily it's actually pretty accessible today. So people are actually able to check this one out. So I'm going to tell you all about Beyond Good and Evil right now. Now, in case you haven't played it in Beyond Good and Evil, you play as independent photojournalist Jade on the faraway planet called Hillis. Jade and her friend Paige take care of orphans at a lighthouse that are orphans because of attacks from otherworldly beatings known as Doms. And yes, Doms is the actual name. It's really dumb. 
after the lighthouse is attacked due to a lack of funds to power a protection field around the lighthouse itself, they are attacked by the doms, and while Jade is able to save the day, because a bunch of orphans actually get kidnapped, she's able to save them, she's really forced to look for quick work to replenish their funds in order to basically power the lighthouse itself. She's hired by a special agent who has Jade investigate planet-wide disappearances that are happening. However, Jade uncovers a much larger conspiracy at work, and yes, you can kind of predict what's going on here between the, the alien invasion and tax that just randomly happen from like these meteors that pretty much just happen from the sky from time to time um, to these just disappearances that, that all happen at the same time. You can kind of put two and two together. It's it's pretty easy to, to put this plot together. Um, but are, there are some surprising moments in the story as well. And I actually think, again, the story in Beyond Good and Evil is actually one of its stronger suits um, and definitely one of the aspects of the game that actually holds up over time. It's got some some really funny characters. Uh, Kay Page, for example, kind of acts as kind of the comic relief because he's la this like humanoid pig uh, that that is kind of Jade's best friend, and they kind of go and and do kind of investigations together, and he kind of helps her out throughout the entire journey. But there are some other uh, really like quirky and interesting characters in this game as well. Again, it's got this like very French style humor to it, like it's it's uh, or I would say more European humor to it. It's not your traditional North American humor that you'd find in most games. Um, and again, a lot of that just comes from you know it being a Michelle and Zell game and kind of having similar humor to that that you'd see in, in stuff like Rayman or other Michelle and Zell games. So um, I do think that the humor itself, I think it's pretty good and it kind of carries the story a little bit. Um, again, it's a little bit predictable, but overall, I, I still really enjoyed the, the story in Beyond Good and Evil. Um, it's also not a super long game either. You can beat it in, in under 10 hours, um, but you, it's a fun experience along the way. So I do think the story itself, pretty good holds up today and uh, definitely a lot inter more interesting than a lot of other current gen games as well. Because again, you play as a, a photojournalist and that plays a lot into the gameplay, which I'll talk about in a second, but also into the story as well. It kind of gives us um, the point of view that we usually see in movies because you you tend to see movies that follow, you know, journalists and, and kind of them getting wrapped up in kind of extra like extraordinary circumstances. But you don't really see that a lot in games. The only other game I would maybe compare that to story wise or theme wise would be something like Dead Rising with uh, Frank West, where he's a journalist and he goes to the Willamette Mall and basically gets like in a part of this like giant, you know, zombie outbreaks that happens in, in Willamette, Colorado. So I, I think you get like kind of the, a similar motif with this game. Um, but obviously this game came out before Dead Rising and uh, we didn't, don't really see too many other games where you play as journalists unless you're playing as Spider-Man. Spider-Man is technically a journalist too. So yeah, I thought that angle was really interesting and in how it works into the story I think is great. As far as the, the overall gameplay in this game, again, the minute to minute gameplay from this game hasn't really aged all that well, especially because, again, some of the environments, again, have this, like, cartoonish look to them, which I think looks pretty good still today, but the gameplay itself, you have some some tropes that we kind of left behind uh, back in the original Xbox era because this game, as I mentioned before, has a lot of stealth elements to it, and there are actually some stealth levels that you have to go through that, essentially, if you get caught, you lose, and you basically have to restart from a checkpoint, and that's super frustrating to play some of those today. I mean, um, the stealth mechanics are are okay. They're not amazing, but they, they got the job done back in the day. But now I think stealth has just come such a long way with modern games that I think it is definitely harder to go back to a game like this that wasn't entirely focusing on stealth and made it 
part of its experience and kind of roped you into these stealth missions kind of almost like haphazardly. I, I shouldn't say that because I, I think that that kind of diminishes what the developers were trying to do here. More like um, it felt like it was just half-baked in the sense that um, they may they didn't get, really give it the care that you would see in like a stealth game today or, or a game that uses more stealth-like elements. Because again, if it's not a hardcore stealth game like something like Splinter Cell, then for the most part, you don't really see game overs because of stealth sections very often. And if you do, it's fru- it feels frustrating today, just as it did back then. And I'm glad that we've kind of moved away from that with modern games. Um, so going back and revisiting a game like Beyond Good and Evil, it does hurt a little bit to, to do that. But for the most part, uh, outside of the, the forced stealth levels, um, you've got uh, your your action with basically a staff weapon in this game, but Jade also has some projectiles in her disposal. And the, the combat itself is like one to two button mashy kind of fun. Like it's not really too in depth or anything like that, but it's fun. It's got you. She's got some unique skills to go along with it as well. Um, and there, some of the enemy designs are actually really interesting and cool. And the way you take some of them down, for example, is you have to like um, aim for them in specific areas to like aim um, them towards other enemies or other obstacles in the environment. So all that stuff itself actually holds up pretty well. The combat itself is pretty fun. Um, puzzle solving's okay. Again, it's not amazing. It's also not a core central part of the design. Um, but the other part of the gameplay that I really like, though, is the the fact that Jade, of course, is a journalist. So she has her camera throughout the entire experience, and she's basically using it to um, collect evidence and other things like that. So um, that plays into the gameplay as well in a lot of ways because you'll be forced to kind of use your camera to kind of, you know, take pictures of evidence and stuff like that and, and collect all that basically to, to uh, complete mission and objectives. So I think all that stuff is really unique. Again, it's I, I think the camera is a little less used than something like Dead Rising, but I think it's less used to its own benefit. Like I think that um, it, the, the camera trope doesn't really get, you know, too overblown throughout the experience. And I, I think it's a good balance between that and kind of the, the minute to minute kind of action gameplay. So overall, I think the game itself actually holds up pretty well today. Um, again, there are just some things that really drag it down farther on my list. Again, it, it's it's almost unforgivable to me that some of the frustrations that come from some of the stealth elements in this game. And that's kind of why it lands in the middle of the pack for this list and not higher up on this list. Again, I know for a lot of people for this generation, this is like a top 10, top 15 kind of game for a lot of people um, that have actually played Beyond Good and Evil um, for this generation. But for me personally, if I'm looking at it from the lens of 2021, I definitely have to rank it a little bit lower than some of the other games that we're going to get to on this list for sure. But I still think Beyond Good and Evil is a fantastic game to check out if you haven't checked it out already. Now, if you're looking to pick up Beyond Good and Evil today, it is not backwards compatible on Xbox 360 or anything like that. So if you have the original disc, you have to play it on the original Xbox. That's just how it is. However, there is an alternative as there was a quote unquote HD version of the game released on Xbox Live Arcade, and it is fully backwards compatible on Xbox One. So definitely if you have an Xbox One or an Xbox Series X, that's probably the way to go. And when I say HD in quotation marks, it's not an amazing port of the game. The game itself, the gameplay itself still plays pretty well, but they didn't really fix a lot of stuff either. Um, so, I mean, the visuals don't really look much better than the original Xbox visuals. In fact, in some areas of the game, I might actually argue that it looks worse, um, but the frame rate's still there and stuff like that. So that it, 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 it's there where it counts. So I definitely think it's a worthy way to play it, but 
you know, if you've got the original Xbox and the disc, I don't see why you wouldn't play it that way. So definitely go that route if you've got an original Xbox. Otherwise, definitely check out the HD version because, again, it's available on, you know, current gen consoles and it's 10 bucks Canadian. So, I mean, it's pretty cheap. That's all for this episode of The Crossroads. You can hit me up on Twitter anytime at Ryan Turford. You also find the Pantsman himself on Twitter at Sean Capri or us on Twitter at the Xbox Drive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Crossroads, and we out. Bye.